Okay, beautiful. Welcome back, people. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, first thing I wanted to cover, so the finance, I think the FBAA stands for the Finance Brokers Association of Australia. Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah so, Finance Brokers um, Association of Australia. They've basically commissioned a bunch of research to be done by a company called McCrindle to basically get an understanding of the stress or uh, how uh, renters and people with mortgages are being affected by the rate rises that have been going on from the RBA in the past year or so and how they've uh, reacted to that that change of rate. So 60% of people uh, surveyed cut back on leisure and social activities to manage higher repayments. 28% said they had taken on extra work to make extra income and 30% were considering it. SQM Research is a company we follow a bit from. Pardon me, the head of SQM is a guy called Louis Christopher, and he was saying that based on the level of, we'll call it financial stress that we're seeing uh, in the yeah. in Australia for you know people struggling with their mortgage repayments, it's still below breaking point for most mortgage uh-huh. holders. So it's getting yeah, tight, yeah. but it's not so tight that everybody's going to start panic selling from his perspective. Uh-huh. Speaking from, you know, the ANZ side of the aisle, one of the big four banks, the economists at ANZ believe that homeowners are managing rate rises quite well. A lot of them had yeah. savings buffers since the pandemic, so they're sat, they're eating into those buffers if they have to to handle higher repayments or just cutting back on things they don't need to spend too much money on. And obviously, if the economy really goes to shit uh, and people lose jobs, that's when a forced sale of a home is probably the most likely outcome. But we're not yeah. seeing that at the moment. We're seeing pretty good levels of employment across the country by at least the standards we've got with the Australian Bureau on Statistics who track that data. Yeah. So right now, people are struggling, but they're making decisions to counteract uh, and to handle the struggle they're going through financially. Um, and I just wanted yep. your thoughts on that one and what you're seeing, I guess, from from our perspective. Yeah. So, look, with, with our clients, um, yeah, a lot of them are, I wouldn't say struggling, but, you know, they're making contact about, you know, being in contact with the, um, with the um, you know, bank to see if we can review interest rates, which we, right. you know, which we do, which we do for people anyway. Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned un- unemployment. I think that might be when... Um, when it might sort of come home to roost that, you know, if you're if you're if you've got a loan and your repayment, say when you started might have been fifteen hundred a month and yeah. now it's two and a half grand a month, you know, you might you can probably find the grand, even though you don't want to, you can probably find the thousand bucks a month, two fifty a week by trimming back other things, you know, right. like cutting back on cutting back on discretionary items and, you know, that sort of thing. Or, you know, getting getting more income if you can, you know, doing overtime, get you know, that sort of stuff. But the issue will be if people become unemployed, um, because you know, with the the budget that was handed down last night, they were talking about in, in unemployment rising from like three point five to you know four point two five or something. So, if homeowners lose their job, that could be you know when it when it starts when it starts happening. Yeah, I think at the moment, as I said, you know, it's still low. The they're still low by historical standards. Um, but it's yeah we I think you know it's probably later this year we're getting people coming off fixed rates you know interest rates went up again last week and you know some banks think some banks are saying they think that's the end of it other banks are saying there might be one or two to go and it depends what with the budget there's you know quite a bit of money being spent on on things and um 
the treasurer said that their um that their policies, especially around um, you know, helping people with bills and that sort of stuff, should put downward pressure on inflation. So yeah, it's right. a bit hard to tell at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Next one I wanted to ask you about, Dave. There's a bunch of obviously like there's a way of purchasing a home that's built uh, off the plan. So you might buy an off the plan house. Um, you're buying the land and you're buying a construction, uh, a build of a house to be done, you know, later later on to, for you to then move into and how yeah. some companies are finding it. Uh, they're struggling to get something signed. They're getting somebody's buying uh, an off the plan property. Then they're building it and some companies are going under before they get the house built because the cost yes. of builds has been changing so much. So you might uh -huh. secure funding from a buyer to build a house at a certain price, but in the interim, the cost of the build goes up dramatically and a builder can't make up that gap and isn't yeah. going to ask the the person who signed a contract to change that contract price. So there's groups that were in the Fin Review like Petard Group that are basically embracing a different strategy to build off the plan. So instead of uh, instead of looking for buyers who are going to fund the construction, they're building the construction themselves and then trying to make their money back by selling them later down the line. Um, and there's obviously these guys seem to be completing a lot more apartment pr projects in Melbourne and the inner city in Melbourne uh, and looking to sell them just before they basically finished building those camp uh, those projects. So I just wondered, like, some people who might be interested in buying off the plan, um, could you sort of explain to people from the broking point of view, yes. how does buying a house off the plan and getting the money to borrow to, to for something to get built, how does that differ from, say, me going to a bank and asking for money to buy a house on a bit of land that already exists? Yeah, yeah, cool. So the, the, it's pretty easy. Like borrowing to buy property is a two-stage process. Okay. The first stage is getting pre-approved, which where the bank says, okay, we like you as a borrower. We like okay. your income. We like your, you know, your, how you've managed your debt. We like your credit score. We like your credit report. Okay. Um, you know, your living expenses are not too high or if they were, You've you've sort of undertaken to um get them under control or you know drop some discretionary items and that sort yeah. of stuff. So you you get approved and the bank gives you a pre-approval, which usually lasts for three months. You go out and find a house, either at auction or just you know genuine you know, just for sale, and then you get the bank to do a valuation of that property. Mm. Now, if you're going to an auction and you've won an auction, there's a contract and an, an agreed price. Yeah. If you're making an offer and the offer is accepted on a property, there's a contract and an agreed price. Now, when you're buying off the plan, you might be approved, which says the bank likes you and your income and your expenses yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And it likes the numbers of the property, mm. but can't do a valuation until the thing's complete. So if it's if you're buying in, a, say, May 2023 and the property is not going to be finished May 2025, your pre-approval, which which is a three-month pre-approval, would have expired okay. by that date. So, what? Whereas as of 2023, you can afford the house subject to or property or apartment being off the plan, subject to it valuing 
at what you're paying for it, the, the rubber hits the road in 2025 when you've got to settle on the property. Okay. Now you you may have you have you may have agreed to pay 600 grand for a property. Yeah. And in two years' time, it might be worth 700, and that's that's fantastic. But if there's an oversupply or there's issues or you know, any number of things, if the place is only if the bank valuer says it's only worth 550. You've got to make up the fifty grand difference. Okay. So that's the difference because just keep. I always say to people that it's like getting property fine. Getting buying a property is like two halves of a football game, netball game, ice hockey match, whatever you want to, you know, whatever analogy you want to use. The first half is your approved for finance. The second part is the bank approves the property. Now. Just make you know, people just need to keep that in mind. That if you buy off the plan or you buy a house and land where you you know commit to buy land that's going to be registered in a year's time, you are taking a risk and you yeah. just need to be um, aware of that. Yeah. Okay. Food for thought. So NAB, which is one of the big four banks, they do like a a consumer sentiment and financial hardship report that they keep up to date pretty regularly. Yes. Um. Their latest data based on, I believe, their consumer base and all the people with bank accounts, um, one in four Aussies believe they are struggling very much to make ends meet. So 25% mm-hmm. of Aussies in the survey believe they're struggling a lot to to make ends meet, which is an increase from 22% in the back back end of 2022. So it's raised, yeah. about, raised about 3%. The biggest cause of financial hardship are... Uh, among those surveyed was not having enough money for an emergency. The second wasn't, yep. was not having enough money for food and basic necessities. The third was being unable to pay a bill. Uh, yeah. The people surveyed 25% had missed a bill payment uh, and one in 20 had missed a repayment of, of other things other than a, a bill. Mm-hmm. So one in 10 Aussies under 50 were experiencing hardship and, uh, just in the form of like being un- unable to pay a mortgage uh, yeah. in the first quarter compared to this quarter. Um, another thing which I thought was interesting based on this breakdown is how different income brackets feel financial difficulty in different ways. So yeah. for people uh, for people earning fifty to a hundred thousand a year, which is uh, one in four of people. So 25% of people earning 50 to 100 grand a year were facing financial difficulties. The group, uh, the the amount of people earning 50 to $70,000 a year, that income group had the highest number of people missing repayments for things like loans, loans yeah. from family or friends, buy now, pay later, home loans or payday loans. As as far as age brackets went, the people feeling the biggest pinch, the people feeling the most financial difficulty at the t- at at the moment, are people age eighteen to twenty nine, and those age thirty to forty nine. Uh, whereas people obviously younger are probably mo- most likely to be still at home, so they're not really yeah. feeling it. And forty nine and over, I guess the assumption is you've been you've been in the working world a bit longer, and you've probably got a little bit more money saved up based on the fact that yeah. you've been working a lot longer. But yeah, or you might you might have money in offsets or a re- drawing your loan yeah. and access yeah so any thoughts on that one dave well look, not really it, it sort of it sort of makes makes sense you know we've um yeah 
early 2022, the RBA was saying rates would not go up till 2024. Yeah. A lot of people bought property on that basis. Rates have gone up 11 times, you know, in, in basically 13 months, we've had 11 rate rises. So, um, yeah, the RBA got it horrifically wrong. Um, and a lot of people are feeling the, feeling the pinch. Yeah. So, um, but you know, as the other, the other article, which I had, talked about you know at the moment it's you know it's probably not going to be until our unemployment rises that we'll see um you know people are people are doing it tough you know rents have gone up because we've got lack of supply mm. um and you know there's not really much being done there's lots of gab festing or you know as simon presley says a lot of gum flapping but you know no one's really doing much about it so yeah i think until rates start dropping which you know, a lot of people think they'll start dropping early next year it's um it is going to be um, an interesting time. Arjun Paliwal, friend of the show, he's from a company called Investor Kit that is a buyer's agency helping people buy properties for investment purposes, uh, whether it's residential, so buying a house and renting it out to some people, or uh, commercial, which is obviously buying a property that someone's going to rent from you to run a business out of. Um, yeah. He made a really interesting point in an article that we'll link to in the show notes where he said uh, property investing is about utilizing the bank's money smartly to grow your wealth. Um, he's going to come on the show this month and we'll have a bit more of an in-depth chat about that because that just was yeah. really interesting to me about I've never really heard it that way, uh, explain that way. And he talked about three behaviors that he sees in his clients that slow the process of getting wealthy, how it slows that process down if that's your ultimate goal to get to be wealthier uh, life-wise. Life so one of them is unused credit cards, keeping unused credit cards. Two was being loyal to one bank. And three was thinking thinking of your borrowing capacity in a way of thinking your borrowing capacity equals your borrowing capacity for the last purchase minus the amount you've already borrowed. So I wondered yeah. if you could just go through, starting with the credit cards one, yeah. Um, yeah. from the broker's perspective, what he's talking about and why this sort of stuff uh, is going to hold you back in sort of maximizing how far you can take trying to get wealthy. Yeah, yeah cool. So look, with, with um, unused credit cards, what banks do when they're assessing your borrowing capacity is they look at all your commitments. So they look yeah. at so they look at sorry all your income and all your commitments. So okay. they will look at um, you know how much you've got in um, like what income you earn, you know, including like overtime, commissions, bonuses, that sort of thing. Yeah, you, know, you might have rental properties. What sort of rent you get? Um, they'll look at what other commitments you have, um, loans. So you know might have car loan. Um, you know, loans on various things. Okay. They'll look at you know your help debt because that's a commitment. They'll look at your living expenses, and they'll also look at um, what what you've got in the in the nature of credit cards, and it's based on your limit, not on your not on your balance. So okay. if you've got a credit card, and just say it's got a twenty grand limit, but you've got nothing on it because you pay it out every month, it could. Um, impact your borrowing capacity quite a lot. So you you really need to get re reduce. Well, you may need to reduce that. Yeah. Um, in order to maximise your borrowing capacity. So yeah, the the bank's going to look at how much you um, yeah, what what your limit is because it's about 
you know, what in what um, um, what's the word? What capacity you have to um, you know run up run up debt? And I'm just yeah. I'm just actually on a bank's loan calculator now, and I'm just going to do a quick thing. So um, if if you're earning say a hundred grand a year, and you've got just sort of basic living expenses. You can borrow, and just using St George Bank, five hundred and forty grand. So you can borrow five hundred and forty thousand. Now this is not credit advice. This is just showing you how it impacts. If you've got a twenty grand credit card limit, and we do that, your borrowing capacity drops to four hundred and forty-one. So by having a twenty grand credit card limit, your borrowing capacity drops a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. So it can be quite a lot. So as as Arjun rightly points out, if you have um unused credit cards you know your broker will do the numbers or the bank will do the numbers and they'll say look in order to maximize your borrowing capacity we need to um um you know you need to reduce the limits or pay out and close close the cards and that includes things like after pay and zip pay and yeah. <clears throat> harm and all those sorts of things secondly being loyal to one bank we use a program called Quickly when we do um, when we're looking at you know what people can afford to, to borrow, and it gives us about twenty five lenders and what they will lend, what maximum borrowing capacity they will lend to different people. And quite often, you know, we might have a couple who live in Canberra who earn good money. They might have good borrowing capacity from Bank X, and then we have a single person in Brisbane who wants to buy an investment property yeah. and their borrowing capacity is better with bank B. So yeah, okay. as Arjun points out, you're, you know, being loyal to one bank may not be in your best interest because, you know, they all look at things differently. Um, you know, some use, as you said, hundred percent of overtime. Some will use most of the rent. Some will shave, shave bits here and there based on their risk profile and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Best thing, you know, go to your bank if they if they've looked after you. But um, you you might be better off with a broker where you get different um, different options. And the other thing that a broker can do, if you go to a bank, they will likely try and cross securitize your properties, which is where they take security um, in all your properties to get one loan. Um, yeah. Where possible, you want to try and separate them if you can. Um, the other thing is, you know, thinking of your borrowing capacity, is your borrowing capacity last time less the amount of debt you have now? Now, every time the bank, RBA, puts up interest rates and, you know, as a result, the bank puts up interest rates, your borrowing capacity drops. So if you could, if your borrowing capacity was a million dollars and you spent 500 grand four months ago or five months ago on buying a property, your remaining borrowing capacity is not likely to be 500 grand now. It's probably likely to be 400 or 420. You know, it's likely to have dropped a bit because rates have gone up. So, um, yeah, there's lots of things that they take into account. So, yeah, there, there's some good some good tips from Arjun and his team. Yeah, easy. You had a couple you wanted to chat about, right? We, we sort of yeah. touched on the budget before, but do you want to talk about it a bit more? Yeah, look, there's lots of stuff about the budget. There wasn't much really that related to housing. Yeah, yeah there's, you know, rent relief and, and that sort of stuff. The the only thing I really saw that's probably they're talking about record numbers of public servants. So that normally means the Canberra property market goes well because that's where most of them live. Um, we talked about uh, just with borrowing capacity, which we were just talking about a, a second ago, 
Um, I was on a webinar last week that I think um, Rich Harvey and the guys um, put on and they had a, a financial guy and he said that since May 2022 um, with the 11 rate rises, borrowing capacity for most borrowers is down 39%. So we, that's one of the biggest issues we've got at the moment with clients and it's probably why we're seeing property prices reducing a little bit is because people just don't have the budgets anymore. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, if if you went and saw someone a year or two ago and they said, oh, you know, hey, um, hey, John, you can um, you can borrow a million dollars, you may don't, may only be able to borrow seven hundred now. So, go get your pre-approval updated. They also had some stats on property prices over the last thirty years, which were quite interesting, which was from um, Dr. Andrew Wilson, mm. and. He pointed out that between 1987 and 2022, which is like 36 years, I think, or yeah, 36 years, um, including you know, 87 and 2022, that property prices have only decreased four times. In 2008, GFC, um, 2011, 2018, after we had a big run, and um, 2022 during the sort of you know, when, when the RVA started putting up interest rates. So, mm. you know, when people sort of talk about property prices crashing and all this sort of crap, um, take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, at any time, uh, Simon Presley pointed out in one of his articles, over the last 50 years, property has always gone up in value somewhere in Australia. So, um, you know, while we're having the, you know, while the, there was four years of um, across the board, um price falls even in those four years there were some places in australia where the, where property prices were going up so um you know an interesting thing that came out earlier this week is Combank, and as a result uh, bank west because they own Combank, from the first of june are stopping refinance cashbacks so people are probably aware that most banks offer a refinance cashback to help you with um to, you know, to help people with, um, you know, refinance costs and sort of, you know, to incentivize them to move. Um, CBA, as the market leader, are stopping cashbacks. So it'll just be interesting to see if the other lenders uh, follow suit or or maybe even see it as a benefit to keep doing because they'll get more more flow of, of loans. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. Um, yeah, rents continue to rise a lot of it is on the back of increased migration. Um, CoreLogic said rents rose 11.7% across the capitals last in the last um, 12 months. So, yeah, we've talked about this quite a bit where we've recommended if you're renting and you're likely to rent for a couple of years, you might want to chat to your agent about locking in a longer-term lease. One, to try and limit the rent increases because rent is going up, but also you don't want to get punted. So that's um that's that one. And just one other thing I saw, I can't remember where I saw this, but um it was someone talking to one of those, you know, gurus that try and help people achieve goals and all this sort of stuff. And they said, you know, what's your what's your 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 favorite tip for people? And this person just said, um, my favorite tip is to start with the next step. And that, you know, you you might be renting. And thinking, you know, how am I going to save a deposit? How am I going to do this? Or you might be um, in your property and thinking, how can I buy the next property? Or you might be um, carrying a few extra kilos and, you know, how am I going to lose weight? Or you might not be fit enough. How am I going to get fit? 
Um, don't focus to, you know, keep the end goal in mind, but just start with the next step. And if you're renting, the next step might be going through your budget to see where you can save money. Um, it might be you've got to move, you've got to move in with in a share house so you can reduce your cost to save money. You might have to move back home. Um, it might be where you you might be able to use equity in parents or a sibling's house to um, get in the market without a deposit. So it's just a bit of a tip. Like don't try and not get overwhelmed by what's in front of you. Just go, okay, what, what's the first step I have to take and take that? Because mm. um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there's an old um a Sun Zoo or something might have had a similar thing about, you know, the longest journey starts with the first step. So mm. just sort of keep that in mind. And of course, if there's anything you want to chat about. Um, on anything really like yeah. we're yeah. we're sort of we're we're accredited finance people but you know we've also got lots of life experience um and you know damo's just bought his first house six months ago so we've got a bit of experience there so yeah if there's anything we can do to help anyone just um don't don't dwell on it don't sweat it give us a call and um yeah we'll um we'll either help you or find someone that can yeah easy well um if people want to get in touch with us, as usual, we've got a couple of ways to do it. We've got uh, a website, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. Uh, you can go to Facebook and look up Money Saver Home Loans as well to find us there. And we've got Instagram uh, for both the podcast and the business. So if you want to follow those, feel free to do so. And yep. have a good week and we'll talk to you next time.